So good. Um, it's been an incredible few weeks of church um, in regards to stuff that's been happening here at church. Um, as a church that grows, you go through different things, you go through different uh, growing pains, but also exciting new times. Um, and from that point of view, Connor being here, I felt was just such a phenomenal weekend with, uh, with him as church. He released something in the church. And in the same, I know that my dad preached a wonderful sermon last week. If you, if you didn't hear it on the Spirit of Revival, I want to tell you, go and listen tomorrow night on Facebook or go to our YouTube page, go and listen to the sermon. Uh, we've got to be more, uh, live with intention. You see, I think God is changing things and has changed things with COVID. God uses COVID. God didn't bring COVID, but God used COVID to get the attention of the church and say, where are you going? What are you doing? How are you living? Wake up. It's time. Um, we, we think um, that's not how God operates. Well, let's go look at the word. <laughs> because sometimes we live outside of the word and then we want to kind of like define God outside of scripture. When you start defining God and you start looking at who God is within the context of scripture, you find that the God we sometimes have served for so long is an idea and not the trueness of who he is. And I believe sometimes God comes in and just shakes it up and says, this is not my heart, children. This is not where I want the body to go. This is where I want the body to go. Um, if you've ever done some, like, run very fast and your foot decides it wants to go that way and the body wants to go this way, you have a problem. Who's ever had that as a child or as an older person? I remember my grandfather always saying that, and then falling or like tripping over something. And that there's a direction that the body needs to go because the head is going a certain direction. Giving this as an intro today, just because I was privileged to be at Connor and, his, and his, uh, their church and family and a very similar DNA, very similar heart to what, who we are as a church. Well, one thing I love about them is it's probably the closest to an axe church that I've seen in a very, very, very long time. Of a church that is focused on reaching souls, are focused on the presence of God and truly living by those principles. In the world we've lived in till now, I think the church has been so self-centered across the world. It's the bride of Christ. I talk with a lot of respect about the bride of Christ, so don't, don't get me wrong, but religion creeps in, comfortability creeps in, and we create a space that's comfortable for us. We all do that in our homes, don't we? The problem is we've done that with our religion. We're comfortable at home, so we've created a Christianity that is comfortable for us because it falls well with us. And when it challenges us and when it, and it pushes on us, we're like, hmm, I don't know if that's for me. I want to find a church that doesn't do that. <laughs> don't challenge me too much. Like, I don't want to be challenged by this. I don't want to be pushed forward. I don't want to grow with this. And so we kind of create comfortability. We do it at home as well. Or when you go camp or glamp. Some people don't want to camp. It's not comfortable enough, so we'd rather go glamping. None of you here, everybody in, in, in Kempton Park, I don't know, somewhere else, <laughs> is comfortable, comfortable in what it is, comfortable in what we hear, comfortable how it's done, and, and God challenges that, and I think it's been challenging us to that. So I want you to jump with me quickly to Acts 11. It was something that Connor mentioned when he was here, and I'm not going to preach his sermon. You can go listen to it and, and be blessed by it, but Acts 11, I've just been reading the Bible as much as I can the last couple of weeks. And man, it is coming alive 
in an incredible way. But I want to tell you, make time. Make time for the word. It's going to bless you. So we find here a one-liner that is profound, and I love this. Um, we can read here from verse 26. And when they had found him, they brought him into Antioch. And so it was that for the whole year they assembled with the church and taught, in a, great, um, taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Who called them that? They didn't sit down and say, like, guys, what's our name going to be? What are we going to call ourselves? We're going to call the, the Jesus movement. This will be, or the, the Jesus boys and girls. And uh, they didn't like trying to figure out a name. They were named for those who observed what was going on amongst them. Society looked at what was happening in the church, what was happening with these Christians, and found out these guys are Christ-like. They are of Christ, the same as him. So they named them Christians because of what they represented, who they were, how they acted, how they lived. Now, reading most of the first letters as I was reading through this, and Acts in itself, Acts was all about a church that was moving forward. It was about a church that believed in the supernatural. And if you want to go listen to a phenomenal sermon, um, go to YouTube, go listen. I'm not trying to promote YouTube. I'm trying to say that this is a great sermon. Is um, Witnesses of the Resurrection that Dave preached uh, a while ago. There were these witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. See, the thing is, because of their witnessing, we're sitting in a town thousands of kilometers from Jerusalem in a building believing in the resurrection. Yes, by the Spirit, but the very fact that they were martyred and killed and, and, and went after and, and it was to try and destroy that message, but the message grew stronger and stronger and stronger and it started going all over the world and people started going out. You see, if, if comfortability was in the heart of God, then God would have said to them, listen guys, don't go anywhere. Please find a nice spot here out in the desert. Stay there and be safe. <laughs> Be safe. Don't, don't go anywhere. They're going to they're gonna hurt you. Sit still here. Don't let them hurt you. Don't go, don't go where they're going to not like you. I want everybody to like you. Please don't go there. I don't want you to... Don't go to Antioch. Don't go to Ephesus. Don't go out there. Don't go get killed. No, no. Stay, stay here with Daddy. Until Daddy comes and fetch you. Pack. Make sure the basement is packed with tin food. Oh, sorry. There's no tin food in your time. Wait till 2000 when the millennial bug comes and everybody climbs into there and everybody says, wait till, till the corona comes. Then everybody runs and we all go sit inside and we wait because it is the end and, and Jesus is coming. That's not what I read throughout the word. The church was pushing. The church was growing. The church was going after souls. They were intently living a life of seeing the gospel being preached. Their life was not about them. It was about the call to a thing. Listen, God is really interested in your life. I promise you, you read through scripture, he is interested in you. But he's interested in you being part of a body. He's interested in you. Paul does not write many letters to individuals. He writes letters to churches. Whew. Like, this isn't to, to Jack, John, Jill, and, and, and Jillian. I don't know, I'm just making up names here. To Susie. 
<laughs> it's not to a bunch of individuals. It's to groups of people that were coming together, that were growing and living in each other's lives for a cause. And we've lived a life and we've created this world where there's been no cause as a church and we're just trying to feed this thing. I want to tell you, as parent, do you get to a certain place where the child is too long on the phone or too much on a certain toy or something where you're trying to get their attention? What do you do? You remove the toy. I believe in the church, God has removed some stuff to say, I'll need your attention. God has come and pulled some stuff away and said, no more. For too long, I've blessed the church and all they've done is used it on themselves. Yo, that sounds, I know that I've just said it. I know like, no, Lord, but you're taking my boat away. No, Lord, you're taking my plane away. You know, I bought, I bought a $50 million boat so I can take my friends cruising in the med. I know that's all of you, right? Yeah, I know. Just come on, give up your yachts, guys. All that 50 million yachts that you got stuck away somewhere. Your own private planes with your own butlers and your own chauffeurs and kind of all of those things. It's like we've lived the life of a luxury to ourselves in comfortability that was never called for the church, never where it was. It was to be a blessing unto the nations so that thousands of people can be saved when there's billions out there who've never heard his name. Who's never lived on what that is. And I'm so tired, so tired. I don't just quickly, quickly just throw something in here. Jesus did not build his ministry on the amount of money he had in his pocket. Jesus did not build his ministry on the fact that he recognized Nathaniel under a tree. But people are running after people who know your name, your telephone number, and your address. I'm so sorry, junk. Get out of it. Stop listening to it. I don't care if somebody knows your name. Jesus did not build his ministry on that because most of those people are only after the man that's standing there knowing their name or their telephone number or their address when we should be after Jesus and his presence and his glory. That's the trueness of what it is. We're all running after prophetic word instead of running after the word. I've got a prophetic word in my room 24-7. It's lying there. Pick it up and read it. It will bless your life. The problem is, is we've done all these little itty bitty things because we want to be comfortable. We, want to, we don't want to be challenged. We don't want to grow. And I'm not talking to myself included. God just woke me up and said, what are you busy with? What are you spending time with? Who you're at? When we see that in Antioch, they were called Christians because when they beheld them, they saw Christ. They saw Christ when they looked at the church. What are they seeing when they look at us? What are they seeing when we're around them? What are they experiencing about who we are when we've changed our focus? Because I promise you, the moment you shift that to what God is doing, your whole life comes into order. My words change. My life changed. My purpose changed. Because I'm finding, what do you say, God? What have you called me to? What are you bringing the body into? Because that is the call of what it is. Go with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 is the, the heart of this church. It's the scripture this church is built on. This church, I mean Kingdom Light Church, not the church, but this church. Um, and verse 12 is the heart, and I'm going to jump back into it, but I just want to read verse 12. Here. It says, for the equipping of the saints. If you don't know where it is, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. What edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure, to the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
Verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, so they could fly in hashtag blessed, first class Porsches. Is that there? No. For the equipping of the saints. We're there to equip the saints. For what? For ministry. What am I supposed to do with your life? I'm supposed to give you something that's going to equip you, it's going to equip you, it's going to equip you to do ministry. It's got to do something in your life, Boris, that's going to change the way you cut hair. It's going to change the way you're in your life, the way you do your business, Doreen. It's going to change the way you pick up your kids at the school. It's going to change the way you live the way you preach into your children. Because now your children is going to act a different way. Because there's purpose, there's call, there's something about the gospel that's bigger than themselves. It's bigger than the fact that I'm sitting at home playing a game, but it is going to school with a purpose. Who's going to get saved today at school? What's God going to do through me at school today? What's God going to do with my life and my purpose? That is the purpose of the giftings unto the body of Christ till we all come to the fullness of who He is. Because there's something about the fullness of what we've got to grow into. We've got to mature. We've got to grow up. Come on, he's moving us to maturity. He doesn't want us in diapers forever. He wants the church to grow up. See, he brings the, 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 um, the Israelites out of Egypt. They never leave Egypt in their heart. He gets them to the promised land, and all they see is the men carrying the grapes. But two amongst them see the grapes that are carried by the men. <laughs> two of them see the grapes, and they go, man, that's my blessing. That's my promise. That's what God's given me. That's where I'm going. The others are looking. That's very uncomfortable because I see those guys. See, God's busy building an ark for something we've never seen before. I know you've been in some revivals. I know you've seen some stuff. But what God's about to do, we've not seen before. We've not seen before. We've not experienced it before. We've not seen the glory of God in its fullness. And we're trying to box it. We're trying to find out. So God comes in a body and he gives a vision. And you know what the church does? The church goes like, listen, Pastor, I heard you're going to build an ark. Pastor Dave, I heard you're building an ark. You know, it's been 10 years now. Uh, what are we going to do with the poop problem with all the animals? I need a four-hour conversation with you about the poop problem in the ark. I don't know what we're going to do. And the pastor says, man, I'm building right now. I really can't answer your question. And we're like, I'm done with this ark. I'm leaving. Someone comes like, pastor, 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 explain to me this rain thing. I've never seen rain. What is that? You've told us that the rain's going to fall and it's going to be a flood. I don't know what that is. I need a 10-hour conversation with you. Three sessions, five days, 50 Hail Marys. I need to know what this rain thing is. Stop building and tell me this rain thing. When God's called a certain vision, a certain place for the body to move along, where we say, I don't know what rain looks like. I don't know about the poop problem. I don't know who's going to bring the, church, the, the, who's going to bring the animals. But God told me, let's build an ark. You see, that's, we've got to get a different view of what God's purpose and plan is when we come alongside as a body. A body that functions in what that looks like. And if I can get that, and we all come into unity with that, we're going to see God do something supernatural. We're going to see things being ignited and flowing through. When I look and I hear this, and they were called Christians in Antioch for the first time. Something jumped in my spirit going, wow, man, that's a word for this time. That's something about where the church is at when there's purpose in it, when we live together as one. 
So we're in, we're in, in Connor's church and he starts introducing me to some of the kids and some of the people. And it's so like, hey guys, so what's your dream? You know what this little girl says? To go to India. All I'm doing is preparing for India. She's 16 years old. And she's got a vision that God put in her heart for India. All she dreams about, all she writes about is God's called me for that nation. I'm praying for that nation. When are you going to go? I don't know, but I'm praying for that nation. I'm going, oh, there's something's different here. Something's different here when people are going after souls and it's starting to trickle through and flow over into next generation that are dreaming about things, that are believing that God can send them anywhere, that God can do the supernatural beyond what they can think or know. Let's jump back quickly uh, to verse 1 of chapter 4. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Uh, I'm not going to get in that today, otherwise I'm going to get lost in rabbit trails here. With, the, with lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Listen to what he just, with lo- lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Excuse me, how do we do with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love? love god's called us in that bearing with one another in love i don't know where you're at i'm not going to judge where you're at but we're going to bear with each other we're going to walk with each other in love as god grows us as god builds this body as god builds his body into what a body is that affects people that changes lives that live in the fullness of god sorry if i'm a little excited i'm trying to stay calm here Whew. i says yeah endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace Daring to keep the unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. We are pushing to keep a unity where in the spirit. There's a greater cause. I might have a disagreement with you right now, but because we honor what God's doing in us, we're building a unity and there's peace. I don't go and say like, yo, man, you know, Sheila, she, she really irritated me the other day when she was just hugging me. I was like, I just wish you would just stop. Is that unity of peace? No, it's just junk. Just get over it. Sorry if I sound a little bit harsh, but I, I need to get in, we need to get in a view of what God's call is, not with my little itty-bitty nonsenses that I stepped in, in poo this morning. Yeah, I'm on with the poo thing. I don't know what's going on. But, yeah. but I sometimes feel that's what we've done in our spirit, in our mind, is we step in in poo instead of getting what Jesus is doing. He wants to do something through us. He wants to reveal His glory in us, but we're so on the natural. Okay, listen. It goes on. He says, um, there is one body one spirit just as we were called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all (laughs) i mean that in itself can take hours to unpack and bring to you this morning because God in you is the God in me, is the God in him, is the God in you. And when we study is in all, through all, with us all, as we all, one God in one unity being, being revealed in the earth. Then, and then, then there's something different about how I live because I'm realizing what I carry. I'm realizing what it is. It's more precious than gold. It's more costly than silver. It is the very presence of God who has been in me. Not just a woof. Not just the little fragrance that he lives with us. It's him that I carry. I am his child. Whew. It says, yeah, um, 
But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. What grace is there upon my life? The grace according to his gift. His measure. Not my measure. That's unmeasurable. He goes here. Let's jump to verse 14. So we're talking about how we come to the fullness. So verse 14 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried by every wind of doctrine and every trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. How am I going to get away from that? How am I going to get away from, from weird doctrines and, and things that are, that are just messing me up and, and cunning craftiness and lies and deceitfulness? How am I going to get there? The previous verse just said, I'm allowing the gifting of God to train me up for the work of ministry until I come to the full stature of Christ. Where's my focus? Not on the doctrines and the weirdness and the things. It's on Christ. It's on what's being put in my life and what am I, do, what am I doing with what God's given me. Because when I start doing that and I'm allowing that in my life, I'm growing up. I'm maturing. Nobody's going to trick me with a bunch of marbles anymore. I'm a grown man. <laughs> you know, when you were a kid, they're going to trick you with something like, I'll give you a marble, you give me a marble, let's play, let's do this, let's do that. And I'm not in that stuff anymore. Why? Because I've matured out of it. I've matured out of that stuff. Is it making sense? Okay, I'm trying to rush this, there's so much. Um, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things. This is where I want to go. But speaking the truth in love, whew, big problem in the church. Big problem amongst us as Christians, we don't speak the truth in love. We don't speak the truth in love. We, want, we kind of like, it's okay, it's all right, you can talk, I'm listening. But the truth in love, in love, is no, 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 I don't agree with you on that. This is what God, I feel God's saying to you. No, I don't think that you should move to that town. I think that's a bad idea because uh, there's no church there. You're going to be stuck alone. Have you prayed, have you prayed about that? It's in love. Why are you doing that? That person that's in your life, I don't think it's the right person in your life. That person doesn't serve God, doesn't do God, doesn't do anything of God. I think that relationship's a bad, bad idea. Truth in love. When we're starting to be accountable to it, when we're starting to love each other through this, as we said in the previous thing, when we walk through these things, I don't think that's a good idea. Can I pray with you about it? I'm not, that's a good idea. I don't want to be friends with you. No, we're part of a body. We're walking together. We're building each other up. We're building in unity, truth in love, so that, so that, listen to this. This is it. Grow up in all things, that we might grow up in all things. That we might mature. That we might mature in our giving. We might mature in our worship. We might mature. Listen, I can name all of this. There's a maturity where there's no more thing that somebody's got to convince you to give. You're just giving because you just matured in it. There's, there's an extravagant generosity in your heart to the kingdom of God. So there's a young guy that gets saved in Connor's church. He's saved over 80,000 rand as personal savings in his bank account. And he's sitting praying and he's just soaking God. This, man, this boy is on fire for Jesus. He's just loving Jesus. And the Spirit of God just speaks to him in his room and says, give half of your life savings to missions. I mean, 40,000 rand. For a young guy, that's a lot. So he sits there and he's kind of like, I've got to give 40,000 rand. And he grabs his phone and he starts typing. And just before he sends, he's got kind of doubting like, they're like, you're right. They're like, but it just burns in his spirit. And he goes, yes. And he sends it. And he's like, what did I just do? 
sends the 40,000 rand into the mission's account. Two weeks later, he calls up, he calls Connor, he says, Connor, please pray for that. I just sowed that into your, your trip to Turkey because they go into the underground church in Turkey, ministering to the Syrians and just phenomenal stuff. In two weeks, he's made over 120,000 rand. In two weeks. No, you didn't hear. In two weeks, he's made over 120,000. He's just like, he says, I'm ready to sow half of that, man. I've got to give to missions because God's about to do something phenomenal in my life. He's so on fire, you should see him in church, man. This guy looks like a, he's going to explode out. He's going to go outside of his body. Why? Because something about that thing in his life, about who God is, the love thing for what God's doing and being part of that body. I might not be able to go right now, but I can give to that. Got a heart for what the body's doing. Because, listen, you don't get up in the morning and your feet go to work and your body lies in bed. Does the body go with? The feet take you, the leg takes you, but the entire body goes with. So where the feet is, the body is. Where God is, everybody is. We're walking in the fullness of what it means to be part of a body, what it means to be part of a call and what God's doing. Because listen to what he's saying. This is the most beautiful. Growing up into all things, into him who is the head, Christ. Growing up into the head. You see, the problem is the church has been lopsided. We've been a little big-headed. Not in a bad way, just big-headed. Because it's been Christ, the head of the body. But the body's never matured. We've never grown into the head. We've never matured into what it means. We've had individuals that step into it as individuals, but God says, no, 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 no more time for individuals to have the glory. It's the full body that needs the glory. There were seasons when we've seen all these great men and women do phenomenal things for God. Great men and women that have stepped in and gotten revelation. But revelation isn't just for the ones anymore. It's for everyone. It is broken open. It is there for you by the Spirit. Blessing is for everyone. Supernatural is for everyone. And he's saying to the body, it's time to mature. It's time to step into more. Growing up into the head. Into Christ. Is the head, are we decapitated from the, body, from the head? No, we're part of the head. So he's operating through the body, in the body, doing supernatural things. Hmm. So 1 Corinthians 2, it's beautiful piece talking about natural and spiritual. Maybe we can just read that quickly. That's my time looking. You still okay? I'm going to read something else just now. Let's go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says here, verse, let's read from verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What's Paul say? Paul says, I want to know nothing amongst you but Christ and Him crucified. So I just want to throw something in there because I, I was in the city quickly on, on Friday. I had to shoot in quickly. And so I'm walking around and I've just been so moved by what God's doing right now. So sometimes it feels like I, I just want to cry. Sometimes it feels like I want to shout. Sometimes I've just got this feeling. Some, you've, maybe you've been there before. Maybe right now you're feeling it. You just, when you spend time with God, you're just consumed with Him. 
I'm not telling you this to show you. I want to tell you something that just happened in the city. And I love nice cars. I think nice cars are really beautiful. I love them. I think they're beautiful. The way it's designed, the way it is. But a while ago, God started speaking to me about this. And he said, Sean, if you're going to be more joyous when I give you a Ferrari than what you are right now in this very moment in my presence, then that Ferrari is your God and I'm not. Mm. If you're going to have a bigger smile on your face because you just got a Ferrari, then what you are when you lift your hands right now in this moment, then the joy comparison of what that is, 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 is out of bounds. It's, there's no measure to that. So I'm, I'm walking and I step across the road and a Ferrari comes driving down the road as I'm about to cross the road. And that word just jumps in my spirit. And I'm going like, Lord, I thank you. I'm not trying to be religious. I'm really just sharing something that's so sown right now. Lord, I thank you that I didn't even look twice at the car. I really did not even, I was not moved at all at the car. I'm like, God, this is a good place to be. Because I know what you're doing in me right now is so for this time that I'm like, so what? Man, do you know Jesus? I don't want to know the horse. I want to know the one who created the horse. I want to know the one who's so much more powerful than what that car is. That's so much more beautiful, so much more awesome, so much more glorious than what that is. That's the presence I want. That's all. I want to know him and only him crucified. People come with a lot of different things we want to talk about. He says, what are we talking about? What are we just filling our conversations with? Not from a, I'm not trying to be religious. I'm just like, what, is, what are my conversations about? It's about Jesus. You know, we're cycling on, yesterday and we're up there in the mountains and, and we're pretty tired and I can't sit anymore. On that. It's just like, but I look at those mountains. You know what the conversation is amongst us? Isn't this beautiful? Isn't God amazing? Isn't this just spectacular about who he is? Our conversation is like, do you know how much I hate that person at church? No, that's not part of my conversation. Do you know what that, that political thing or that thing? No, I don't, I don't care about that anymore. I've just consumed with who he is because that's where he's taking us. Now listen, listen quickly. Oh, I'm trying to. It says, um, we'll read from verse 5. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. That my faith should not be in Professor so and so that just gave me a diagnosis. That my faith is not in economist so and so that gave that. My faith is not in president so and so. My faith is not in political party so and so. My faith is not in a name, but in his wisdom and power and who he is. For so much what we placed on is that if I place my joy in the fact of my this is my father and i love him very much but if my joy is connected to him it's fallible it's fallible it's it's everything that there is and so that joy that strength is connected to what he says how he says it when he says it and how long he says it and so much of that is based on our partners in life and it's great your marriage is important it is vital but that is not the source it's christ the validation of your life is Christ. It's no person. If I live by what a person says, I can fail, fall by what a person says. I cannot live on that. I can only live on what Christ says. Yesterday's gone. I cannot even recall it. Done. I live on what he says. So it's on the power of God. He says, yeah. However, we speak a wisdom amongst those who are matured. 
How do I find that thing? Maturity. I've got to grow up in some things. I've got to get rid of some stuff. No, but sure, that's how I am. No, it's not how you are. How's that in the kingdom? Is that who Jesus is? Is that who Christ is? You know, I look at Jesus in the, in the form of forgiveness, and I find it's incredible when he finds Peter, he does not once recall back what Peter did. He just asks, do you love me? Or, or our hearts aligned? And restores him right there. I, I got some stuff I've got to get rid of. <laughs> I got some things that I've got to change my focus on. I've got to mature in some areas. And how am I going to mature? By the Spirit. How did you get saved? Did you go to a class? Did you go for counseling first? And then you, then you were ushered into the, into the kingdom? No, believed. I moved from darkness and I was birthed into a kingdom. How? By the Spirit. You, I, was, I was dead and I got born again. I was blind, but now, see, look back on your salvation. Did you know of anything you know right now? No. All you did was move from that place to that place. How? By believing. How do I mature in who Christ is? By believing. By believing what he's done. By saying, I say yes to who you are. I'm spending time in the spirit. I'm spending time as you, Lord, as you mature me and grow me and develop me as part of what that is to be that place. Then he goes on to say, I said, nor of the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of the age, for they are coming to nothing. Listen, I've got to just throw this in, it's just a little quick SABC moment. Where's my time? Time's almost done. Uh, SABC moment, we're just going to go off track a little bit. Everybody's now concerned, do we take the vaccine? Don't we take the vaccine? Then we have some people like, this is really bad for kids, this is really bad for old people, this is really bad, yeah. Then it's like, oh, they're spraying stuff in the air, and it's this. And it's, if I've got to go into that conversation and get into it, somebody say, what are you teaching your people? None of that. I'm teaching them Jesus. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in me. I don't know if I'm going to take it or not going to take it. I have no idea. I don't know yet. I can't even tell you. But I'm spending time with Jesus right now. So if, if it is, then it is. If it isn't, it isn't. I'm just spending time with Jesus. I want to know him and him crucified. And then he'll reveal to me what it is and then I'll go that way. It's as easy as that. God will tell me. I'm not going to force it on you. I'm not going to not do it on you. It's my faith according to where I'm at and the grace upon my life that I might do it or not do it. But I'm not going to tell you not to do it. I'm not going to tell you, uh, to like, listen, guys, we're all going to burn our masks now. We're all going to, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just focused on Jesus right now. And I'm growing in him. Whatever grace is upon your life, whether you wear it or don't wear it, that's okay with you because we're in love. Exactly. What are we going to do with the poop? We're going to plant veggies out of the poop. <laughs> Come on, it's... There's something about that that's so profound in where we're living in right now. When he's called us to follow him. He's called us to follow him. And if I'm not taking you there, I'm wasting your time. If we're not taking you to a place of what this revival, this new thing, what God's about to do, is more profound than what's happening in COVID, what's happening in the U.S., what's happening in our government. All we need to do is pray for our government. That's natural. I'm seated in heavenly places. If anyone, my conversation is drawing you to focus on the natural, then I'm missing it. 
the glory is what is happening in your life right now, in your home, with your friends, with your children, with your workplace. You're a, you're a missionary. You're a missionary every day. When you step out of that door, I'm stepping into the field for Jesus. When I'm going out there, walking in the shop, I'm a missionary. For Jesus, I'm, what can I do? Lord, your presence is in the shop. What can I do today? Who's going to get saved today? Who's going to get touched by Jesus? Oh, okay. Nobody today is cool. Tomorrow's another day. Come on. I don't know. But there's a focus shift that's going to happen. Say, Lord, what are you stirring in my heart for people? Who do I need to pray for this week? Who do I need to minister this week? What areas on your heart, Lord? What nations on your heart, Lord? See, when my prayer going to help for a nation a lot? You're a son of God. You're a child of the King. When I put up that number again of 3.2 billion people not have ever heard the name of Jesus, man, my heart shook and God, like they're missing out on the greatest ride of their life and they've not even heard the name Jesus. They have no idea who this Jesus is. And we worship every single day. Man, my prayers are filled with that right now. I said, Lord, I'm praying for every Muslim that I can think of. I'm praying for those nations. I'm praying missionaries be sent there. I'm praying for revival to happen in churches so we get a greater view. What are we doing with the orphan problem in our nation? Are we praying for it? Are we talking about it? We're just having a good time just on ourselves. How many orphans are there? How many Christians are there? We shouldn't have an orphan problem. We shouldn't. There's enough churches, enough money. But as church, we've like that just to, it's like the, that joke that's going around about ESCOM, stage one, two, three, and four. We're at four, like we should have done something, but we're not there. Yeah, yeah, we never did, now we can't. No, we've still got time. We've still got time to pray. We haven't got the money yet in this church yet, but God's going to give it us. We're going to open our own orphanage. We're going to do these things. It's been our vision. It's been written in our books. We're praying over it. Some of you don't know it, but it's called Life House. Something we've really, we're really praying about. Still, I want you to pray with me. What is God saying about that? How is it going to happen? How is it going to be? You know, right now it's so big. They say, listen, just open the orphanage. We'll do the paperwork later. We've just got so many orphans. We'll give you 40 kids right now. That's how big the problem is. But I'm stirring, I'm stirring the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father couldn't care if you drive a fuller, or if you drive an SUV, or if you fly around in a plane. He couldn't care less. It's junk to him. It doesn't matter. But a heart of a person matters so much. The life of a person matters. The souls matter because they go into hell and they don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. But in Antioch, I wish I could just put Antioch everywhere. It's like a story. They called them Christians. There goes Jesus. There goes, that's Jesus. Oh, no, that's Jesus. Oh, no, that's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Christ. It's the Christ. It's the Christ. Well, they're all Christs. What's going on here? And if you read the amount of people that went there, small group. A small group turned an entire world upside down still today people are going still average people 
planting churches, still children are going out. I remember a missionary coming here, and I'm not just on missions today, I'm talking about the whole spectrum. We are missionaries every single day. But there's something so beautiful. They had a missions conference out in South America. They brought this little girl, these kids in, and they said, is this the children's church? They said, no, these are the church planters. And a girl of 12 walked up to a light and started blowing at the light. She thought it was a candle. She had never seen a bulb in her entire life, but she's planted over a hundred churches. There's something about this time period where God's called you to. He isn't called me or Dave. Or he's called a body to it. When we start dreaming about it, I said, Lord, what nation are you stirring in my heart? What group of people am I going to pray for? Open the doors for me to go with. Listen, I want to tell you guys, get ready. We're going on some trips. We're going on some trips. We're going to some nations. I can't divulge and, and unpack everything this morning, but God is speaking to me so loud. I remember as a 17-year-old boy standing at a missions conference, moved by God for missions and nations in his heart. Standing there weeping over going to nations as a missionary. Back then, a missionary got up and started speaking about Uzbekistan. And all I wanted to go was go to Uzbekistan. I'll go, Jesus. They probably might kill me, but I'll go. I'll go for you. The call is still just saying yes. Just say yes, Lord. Yes to what you're doing in my life. Yes to maturity. I'm part of a body. I'm part of a church. How do I get part of that body? How do I grow in that body? How do I do what you're doing in my life? And I promise you, it will change your world. It's going to change your children. It's going to change your family. It's going to change your marriage. It's going to just change everything. Because God's called us to that. Not us. Us. You're part of that. You're part of dreaming for something bigger than your life. I'm definitely not dreaming about cars and homes. I'm definitely, there's nothing wrong with that. Please, I'm not knocking you this morning. I'm just pulling you up to a place as a pastor, as leading an apostolic word this morning, going, hey, there's more. There's more. There's more in what God's got. There's more in what He's doing when He does that in your life. Can we read the last one? Romans chapter 12. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Romans 12. So, verse 1 talks about I beseech you therefore, brethren, with the mercies of God, that you may present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I want to just throw in something quickly here. No sacrifice you'll ever make is bigger than God. No sacrifice you'll ever make. You know, when, we're, when we had COVID in December, and he was, I believe, dying in the room, just because where he was at. I got in the buck. He's so sick. I couldn't look out my eyes. I've got to race around and try and get oxygen for him. I'm freaking out. I'm sitting in that bucket and I'm shouting at God, going, Lord, I have sacrificed my life for you. We haven't got, even got money to buy a f- oxygen. It's so tough. It's crazy. It's, we, uh, it's just, we messed up our holidays. First time in 15 years. Lord, I deserve a family holiday. And I'm going on about everything I've sacrificed for him. I'm so upset. 
And I become quiet after I've just shouted and talked a bunch of nonsense. And I could clearly hear the Spirit says, Sean, your sacrifice is your God. I'm not. And I just went quiet and just realized I've been looking more at what I've given than the one I've given to. And I just realized it's all junk. Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm part of who you are and what you're doing. And not what I've given up for this. Because he says it's your reasonable service. It's just reasonable. It's just reasonable. Verse 4. Where am I? No, I'm on the wrong page. I was so excited. Let's go back, find the right one. Here we go. Verse 4. For you have many members in one body but all the members do not have the same function or office where are many members part of a body it's time to find out why you're part of that body what part are you what part are you part of the body God's called you to a body. He's called you for a purpose. He's called you to be part of a body. Now find out what that purpose is. Not according to your idea, but according to his idea. I'll, I'll end with this. David is anointed as king. But he's sent back to the sheep. Because it wasn't time yet. But only when the father released him did he go to the war. You think for one moment David didn't know there was a war going on? Where was he? Looking after sheep. He knew there was a Goliath out there. He knew there were all these things happening. But where was he? Looking after the sheep. Looking after what God at that moment of what his father was requiring of him is, I don't need you right now, David, to be killing giants. I need you right now. I don't need you to be a king. But based on my word, I need you to tend the sheep. I need you to be a shepherd to learn how to look after the sheep so you will look after a nation. But when the father released him, he could kill giants. When the dad called him and said, David, I need you to take some food to your brothers. You know what we've done as, as, as children of God, as people, is we've, we've gone like, there's a war going on. I'm not going to wait for any word. I'm not going to wait for any release. I'm not going to wait for what the body's doing. I'm going to chop my finger off and the finger's going to run and try and kill a giant. God's created a body. He's created a vision. He's created leaders within that to work together so we all can come and build the ark. That when it's released, it's released as giant killers. And David's able to kill a giant because his dad said it's time. He was on a way to feed his brothers. <laughs> He's walked with the substance. Is it making some sense this morning? I'm going to be unpacking it more before I go, but this is something that's just so part of where we are as a church right now. You are called to this body, to the body of Christ, but also to a church. Every part of what there was was to a church. God's called people together to be a body, to be that, to be taken out to go out, to minister, to be, to grow, to mature. That's why tonight's important. It's very important. Because we've got to come into unity and say, where God taking us? How do we be part of that? How do we grow in that? And how do we be effective in a way we've never been effective before? Let's just close our eyes. Father,
thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you that every single one of this church is part of you. It's part of what you do and it's part of this moment. And I thank you that as I was speaking, Lord, that it has stirred in hearts. It's, it's done some stuff in the Spirit. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will teach it more. That you reveal more. Thank you for this moment that we will know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. That we will be consumed with your presence, Lord, in our homes, at our workplace, in our schools, in our families. As people walk in, they go, wow, what a great group of Christians. Wow, what a presence of God. Wow, the beauty of His holiness. Thank you for that today, Lord. I bless these people. In Jesus' name, amen.